Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. to celebrate Christmas with you guys. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, my name is Byron, and I get the great privilege to serve here as the lead pastor and church planter at Redemption. And on behalf of my wife, Ashley, and all of our staff and serve team, we wanna wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Today, we are going to sing, we are going to rejoice, we're gonna reflect, we're gonna remember, and we're gonna celebrate that on this day, a savior was born and his name is Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Yes, today we celebrate because Jesus Christ is born. So Merry Christmas. And for all of you bah humbugs who are saying it's not officially Christmas yet, I just want you to know that we're going to have double the Christmas this year. That's right. After everything we've gone through through 2020 and the Scrooge of the year we've had, how many of you could go for a little extra Christmas cheer? Amen. We could go for a little extra Christmas cheer at the end of the year. And so we're going to have two Christmas specials. Normally we do our big Christmas extravaganza on Christmas Eve, but because Easter was canceled, we decided let's go ahead and double up on Christmas this year with our Christmas service today and a very special candlelight Christmas worship service on Christmas Eve. So we hope to see you there. After a Scrooge of the Year, we got double Christmas cheer for you. And I don't know about you guys, but 2020 has kind of been a thing, isn't it? 2020's kind of been a year for us. In fact, it feels more like a decade. How many of you think 2020 is the longest decade of your life? That's how it's been. I feel like I'm aging in dog years. I know I look young, but I'm actually 70, or at least that's how I feel. I mean, we are nine months into flattening the curve 12 days, they said 12 days. No, no, no. We're nine months into flattening the curve. We're still in that thing. Okay. Apparently we are, unless you live in Lumberton, because Lumberton do what Lumberton does. Okay. They live on a whole nother plane than the rest of us, but that's how 2020 has been. It's been a year filled with bad news. It's been one thing after the other bad news throughout the year. And I want you to think if you could Describe 2020 in one word. What word would you use? What word would you choose to describe 2020? Now, you're in church, so you can't use that word. I know what word some of y'all were thinking. Some of y'all on the naughty list, the word you're thinking about. You can't use that word in church. But if you were to pick one word, what word would you use? For many of you, you would choose depression, or maybe it would be anxiety. Maybe it would be change. Maybe the word you would use would be loss. Maybe the word you would use would be fear or nervousness. What is the word that you would use to describe this year? Because truth be told, many people are not doing good. If you were to turn on the TV, if you were to go to social media, everywhere you look, there is bad news. We started the year with fear. Are we going to be going to war? 
And then after that, it was the coronavirus and all of the pandemonium that came along with that. Are we going to get sick? Are we going to lose our jobs? Is there going to be enough toilet paper? You know, those really big, important questions that we've been asking ourselves all year. And once we finally were able to grasp and get our heads around COVID-19, then all of a sudden there was the racial tension, the murder of George Floyd. Then there was the, the riots and protests and the counter protests and the civil unrest that went along with all of that. Following that, we also went through a presidential election cycle. We had the debates, then we had the arguments, then we had the fights, and then there was literally a nation divided. People were losing their friends and family members weren't talking with one another. People were getting canceled left and right. Hashtags were trending and nobody knew what we were going to be offended about when we woke up in the morning. That's just the world and the way that we lived in. So not only was there possibility of war, not only was there a presidential election, not only was there a massive pandemic and pandemonium and unrest, but on top of all of that, we got three hurricanes and a partridge and a pear tree. Come on. This has been a very difficult year for many people. And the word that a lot of us are choosing is words of anxiety or depression or loneliness or fear or of loss. Psychology Today says that in 2020, addictions have increased. Those who have been walking through their sobriety and getting help and taking their next steps, addictions have increased. Alcoholism has increased. Spousal abuse have increased. Child abuse has increased as many people have been quarantined at home alone with their abusers. Depression is going through the roof. Doctors are prescribing medication for anxiety or for depression at rates that we have never seen before in our nation's history. Divorce is up. Relationships are falling apart. People have lost their jobs, lost their retirement, lost their pensions, lost their 401ks. And many of you, you have lost a loved one or a family member this year. And so as you gather around the Christmas tree, it doesn't really feel like Christmas for a lot of people. And this Christmas is going to look different this year than it has in years previously because we are surrounded by bad news. We live in a world that is in with bad news. We are overwhelmed. We are consumed. We are living in a day where there is nothing more than bad news. Well, you came to redemption today, and I'm going to give you some good news because Christmas is a time for good news, but it's not just any good news. It is good news of great Joy. So instead of turning on the TV, we want to turn to the scriptures. Instead of turning on social media, we want to turn to the Bible. Instead of turning to the world where we get bad news, we're going to turn to God's word because God's word promises us good news of what? Great joy. Good news of great joy. Because unto us on this day in the city of David, a Savior is born. And what's his name? Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord. So I'm going to give you four reasons for good news. How many of you could go for some good news today? How many of you, you're like, yes, Lord Jesus, please. I could go for some good news. Well, I got good news for you. You're going to get some good news today. So good news of great joy. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Luke chapter two. We're going to read the classic Christmas story. If you didn't bring your Bible, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. If you didn't bring your Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen so you can read along with us. Good news of great joy this Christmas. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, how many of you had one of those days? 
That's where a Christmas story begins, in those days. We've all had those days. You know those days well. That's where we find Christmas. We find Christmas in those days, the days you don't feel like it, the days where it's not working, the days where it doesn't make any sense, the days that are difficult, the dark days, the painful days, the sorrowful days, the days of confusion and chaos, the days of unrest. That's where the good news comes and meets us in those days. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled with great fear because what else are you going to do when an angel shows up? You're going to be afraid. They're terrified. Oh, no, the glory of the Lord shines around us. An angel comes. And what word does the angel say? Don't freak out. That's what he says. He says, do not fear, because that's also what angels say. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that there will be, uh, there will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away, from them up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just as the angels had told them. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. This is not any child. This is the savior of the world. This is not any baby. This is God himself come to be born. This is the fulfillment of 2,000 years of prophecy in the Old Testament, anticipating, building towards this moment in human history where God would enter in and become a man. This is not any child. This is the son of God concerning this child. And the shepherds said to one another, or concerning this child, in all these things, well, here's what Mary did. Mary treasured them up in her hearts, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and all that had been told to them. Now, in a moment, I am going to share with you four, four reasons that Christmas is a time of good news, of great joy. But before I give you the good news, I got to tell you the bad news. How many of you, you hate when people say that, right? They're like, I got good news and I got some bad news. Don't you just feel the anxiety already? When somebody calls you on the phone, they're like, hey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. What do you want first? You're like, I want to punch you in the face first. That's what I want to do. 
I want good news or bad news. Now, how many of you, you are good news first people? Where's my good news first people at? Just give me the good news so I can ignore you the rest of the time. Oh, I got good news. La, 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 la. I'm going to put my head in the sand and I'm not going to pay attention to anything else you say. I'm a good news first person. But how many of you, you're like me, you're a bad news first person? That's what I am. I'm a bad news first person. Look at you. Y'all are my people, all right? (laughs) Bad news first. Because here's what I think. I just want to rip the Band-Aid off. I want to go ahead and get it out of the way. Just go ahead. Tell me the bad news so that way I can begin working. And hey, you know, a little good news on the back end is actually pretty good. So give me the bad news first. Here's the reason why I'm a bad news first person. Because I believe that in order for you to appreciate the good news, first you need to understand the bad news. Until you understand the bad news, you'll never truly be able to appreciate the good news. And so redemption, I got some bad news for you. The bad news is Jesus came. The bad news is that God himself would enter into human history. The bad news is, is that God would become a man in Jesus, that he is very God of very God, and that he would enter into this world and he would live the life just like us. That is bad news. The bad news is that Jesus would be born and he would be placed in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. That is bad news. The bad news is, is that Jesus would grow up, enter into public ministry. The bad news is that Jesus would reveal the kingdom of God. The bad news is Jesus would preach and teach and cast out demons and raise the dead. The bad news is that everywhere Jesus went, he loved others. He served them. He gave to them. The bad news is that Jesus would forgive the unforgivable, would love the unlovable would serve the outcasts, the orphans, and the widows. The bad news is that Jesus would be betrayed by his very best friend, that Jesus would be handed over to the Roman government and to the Jewish leaders. The bad news is that this God who was born in the city of David in a manger in Bethlehem would die in a Roman cross, and that after he was crucified, the bad news is they would take his lifeless body that had been beaten and bloodied and bruised, and they would wrap it in burial cloths, lay it in a tomb, and the bad news is that Jesus resurrected from the grave. The resurrection is bad news, but even worse than that, Jesus resurrected and evidenced himself for 40 days before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he rules and reigns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever. Amen. The bad news is Jesus came. And some of you are wondering right now, Pastor Byron, that does not sound like bad news. I grew up in the church. I know I haven't been most of the year, but I did come on Christmas and I know that that's not the bad news. My grandmother, she prayed for me all the time. I had to hear these stories every week about what Christians call the good news. When I was a little kid, Pastor Byron, I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church. I know that this is, this is not what Christians call the bad news. This is what y'all believe is the gospel or the good news. So how in the world is Christmas bad news? How is the coming of Jesus bad news? The bad news is not who Jesus is. The bad news is not what Jesus did. The bad news is why Jesus did it. And here's the reason why. Because we couldn't do it on our own. The bad news is sin. A three-letter word that describes the reality that we live in. 
The bad news is, is that sin has separated us from God. The bad news is, is that sin has devastated the world that we live in. The bad news is, is that we are sinners. See, the Christmas story doesn't actually start in Luke chapter 2. That's what most of us think, that the Christmas story begins in Luke 2.1 when the angel shows up and tells Mary that she is going to be pregnant with child and this child is going to be the son of God. And she's like, I'm a virgin. How is that possible? And then the angel says, it will be by a miracle of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are like, yeah, I, I don't know. Virgins don't really get pregnant. That's why it's called a miracle. It's only happened one time, never happened again. And then the angel goes because Joseph didn't believe that Mary was pregnant. Could you imagine having that conversation? Oh, hey. Uh, by the way, Joseph, I'm pregnant. What? Oh, don't worry. It's God's baby. You're like, <laughs> and so an angel had to come tell Joseph, she ain't lying. This ain't Jerry Springer. She's telling the truth. Okay. <laughs> this really happened. And then that's not where the Christmas story begins, though. The Christmas story doesn't begin when Quinarius said, everybody's got to come and pay your taxes. Because even when God shows up, they try to tax them. That's not where the story begins. It doesn't begin with the manger or the swaddling clothes. It doesn't begin with the angels who come to tell the shepherds that Christ is born, the king has come. It doesn't, it doesn't begin when the wise men come and bring gifts. No, the Christmas story actually begins not in Luke chapter 2, but all the way back in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. That's where the Christmas story begins. Because God, in the beginning, created heaven and earth. And he said, everything in it is good. He made our first parents, Adam and Eve. And he said they were very good. And Adam and Eve and God were created to live in relationship with one another. That we were designed to be in God's presence at a continual basis. And that we were designed to love and to be in relationship with other people. And God placed us in an environment that was a perfect environment for us to enjoy the life that God always intended in a place known as the Garden of of Eden. He said when he made mankind, it was good. And then he placed him in the garden of Eden. Do you know what that word Eden means? In the Hebrew, that word Eden means delight or joy. The first announcement of good news of great joy is actually in the creation narrative of Genesis. The Christmas narrative begins in the creation narrative where God has made us for good news of great joy. This is the way God intended for our lives to be. But how many of you know we're not in the garden anymore? You look around and there's not a whole lot of good news and there's not a whole lot of great joy. If you were to choose a word, your word you chose probably wasn't joy, was it? Because we live in a day that is filled with bad news. When you turn on the TV, it's bad news. When you get on social media, it's bad news. When you hang out around the water cooler at work, it's bad news. When somebody calls you on the phone, they say, hey, we need to talk. Very rarely, if your job's anything like mine, they're not telling you a whole lot of good news. They're like, just calling to tell you that Susie ate her vegetables and Johnny scored the winning goal. Gosh darn it, today was a good day. No, that's not what most people are calling and telling you. Am I right? Most people call and they tell you bad news. Hey, are you busy? Hey, can we talk? Hey, are you sitting down? Because I got some bad news. Grandpa's sick. Johnny didn't come home last night. Susie's struggling in school. My husband wants a divorce. The doctor's going to up my dosage. I don't really know what to do. We live in a day and age that is filled with bad news. You turn on the TV, social media, you look around, you read the newspaper, you check your mail. Not a lot of good news. There's a lot of bills. 
but there's not a whole lot of good news. And many of us, we find ourselves in this place where we're wondering, what in the world happened? Well, sin happened. Our first parents, they sinned. They separated themselves from God, which ultimately led a separation in their relationship with one another. Because after they sinned, do you know what the first thing they did was? They blamed one another. They sinned against God, and then they sinned against themselves. And then they ran, and they hid, and God pursued after them. God came looking for them, and God came and found them. And in Genesis 3.15, we read what is known as the Proto-Evangelium. It is the very first gospel that Satan would bruise his heel, but Jesus would crush his head. And from the womb of a woman, a Savior would be born. Genesis tells us how Christmas is supposed to be, a time of good news, of great joy. But many of us, we live under the effects of sin, that sin has brought devastation. You wonder why is the world the way it is? The answer is simply is sin. Sin perfectly describes everything that we are going through. It describes war and injustice. It describes famine and plagues. Sin describes why there are millions of people who are dying of preventable diseases in third world nations. Sin describes the racism and injustice that is in our society. Sin describes why the nation is divided over who is going to be our leader. Sin describes Tiger King. How in the world was that possible? The only answer for Tiger King is the reality of sin. Sin's also the reason why Christmas is hard for many of us. Why when you go and gather with your family, there's going to be tension in the room. Sin describes why relationships are failing. Sin describes why children are struggling. Sin describes the reality that all of us live in. It is perfectly described by sin. And the bad news is, is we are sinners that we are born in sin. Every single one of us carries inside of us the seed of Adam and Eve's decision, that we are broken, we are fallen, we are bent in towards sin and selfishness and unrighteousness, and we carry this seed inside all of us. And elsewhere, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Adam died, and therefore everyone who ever lived since will die. But it's not just a physical death. Sin leads to a relational death. Sin leads to death of the dreams that you have. Sin leads to the death of destiny. Sin leads to the death of your purpose. Sin leads to death. Everything sin touches, it kills, it destroys, and ultimately it leads to death. The bad news is, is we are all sinners who are deserving of death. We are born physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. And unless something were to take place, then we would die eternally, suffering separated from God in our sins. The bad news is, there is sin. But the good news is Jesus is a savior. That unto us on this day, in the midst of our sins, a savior is born. Yes, Christmas is bad news, but more than that, it's a time of good news, of great joy, because Jesus 
is a savior. Jesus comes because he knows that we could not do it on our own. So he made a way possible for each and every one of us that he saw us in our sin and he decided he was going to do something about it. He saw you in your brokenness and he decided that he would not leave you that way. He saw you where you're at and he came to be with you in that moment. The good news is Jesus came. Here's the good news that Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The good news is that God himself humbled himself and entered into human history, that the very God, very God became a man, and that he lived his life just like us in every single way. The good news is that Jesus manifested the kingdom of God in three years of ministry. He preached, he taught, he loved, he served, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. The good news is that Jesus loved the unlovable, he forgave the unforgivable. He welcomed the outcasts and orphans and prostitutes and widows. The good news is that Jesus was betrayed, that he was handed over to the Roman authorities and the Jewish government. And even though he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, he died on a Roman cross in Jerusalem. They wrapped his body in burial cloths, laid him in the tomb. But the good news is the grave could not contain him. He resurrected from the grave, conquering Satan's sin, hell, death, and the grave and he ascended on high where he leads a host of captives where he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever. Amen. That is the good news. The good news is Jesus came because he knew we could not do it on our own. So he made a way possible. In a world filled with bad news, Jesus comes and he brings Good news. So here's what I want to do, Redemption. I'm going to give you some good news. I'm going to give you four reasons that Christmas is a time for good news. On my way in this morning, I stopped by a gas station. And as I walked into the gas station, I asked the attendant, I said, are you ready for Christmas? Are you excited for Christmas? She said, oh, no. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm just ready for it to be over. How many of you, that's how you feel? That's not the way God wants you to feel about Christmas. She said, I just wanted to be over. This year has been so difficult and hard. She actually said, quote, this year is a dumpster fire. Okay, how many of you, you're like, I'm going to that gas station. Where's she at? Because me and her, we're on the same level today. That's where she was at. And I had to remind her in that moment that this is a time of good news. That yes, 2020 has been filled with bad news, but Christmas is a moment where we pause, we stop, and we reflect on the good news that even in those days that we all go through, Christmas is a time for us to remember that Jesus came to bring good news in the midst of a bad season. So let me give you four reasons to hope, four reasons to have joy this Christmas, because Christmas is a time of good news, of great joy. So the first reason is that Christmas is about celebration. Luke 2, 10, here's what the angels say. Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of Great joy. We're going to try that again in just a moment. Good news of great joy. That will be for all people. The number one command in the Bible is this. Fear not. 365 times as you read your Bible, you're going to see it commanded of you. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Do not fear. Now, why would God say that 365 times? Because there's one time for every day, because every day there's a reason for us to be afraid. 
Every day there is a reason for us to worry. Every day there is a reason for us to panic. Every day there is a reason for us to be upset. There's a reason for fear every single day. But God does not want us to walk in fear. God wants us to walk in faith. God does not want us to worry. God wants us to worship. God doesn't want us to look to the ways of the world. He wants us to look to his word. And every single day, God is encouraging you saying, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Take Good cheer. Do not be afraid. Why? Because in the midst of the bad, God brings good. I bring you good news of great joy. You guys are getting the hang of this. Good news of great joy that will be able for all people because Christmas is a time of celebration. If you're looking for the bad, trust me, you will find the bad. If you're looking for the negative, trust me, you will find the negative. It doesn't take a lot of special skill to find something to complain about. But as God's people, we're not looking to complain, we're looking to celebrate. And if you're looking for a reason to celebrate, Jesus comes and brings a reason to celebrate. It's a time of great celebration. Whenever someone comes to me and on the off chance they do bring me good news, guess what I do? I throw a party in my heart and I celebrate. So this week, I'm actually going to get to perform a wedding for a couple in our church, a young couple, and they came up to me and they said, Pastor Byron, we're getting married. You know what I did? Hey, I celebrated. I celebrated. Last week, we got to baptize 14 people in our church. You know what I did? Hey, praise the Lord, I celebrated. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we baptized over 50 people. You know what I did? Hey, I celebrated. Even in the midst of COVID-19, our giving is up, our baptism is up, our attendance is growing. Hey, you know what I'm doing? I am celebrating. Every time I have a reason to celebrate, guess what I'm going to do? I am going to celebrate. Whenever someone in my small group, they come up to me, they say, Pastor Byron, I just finished my finals and I made all A's. You know what I do? Hey, I celebrate. Whenever my daughter comes up to me, Esther's son, she's four years old, and she goes to Mother's Day out. She comes home, and she's got a, a picture that she drew, and there's crayons and scribbles and macaroni and glue and googly eyes everywhere. And she says, Daddy, I drew a picture of you. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But you know what I still do? I celebrate her. I find a reason for me to celebrate. You got to find a reason in this season for you to celebrate, because if you're looking for the bad, you're going to find it. But if you're looking for good news of great joy, it is available for you in Jesus. It is a time for us to celebrate. And this time is not just for the elites. It's not just for the special or the super duper holy spiritual religious people who tuck their shirts in. That's not who this time is for. Do you know who this season is for? The angel tells us it's for all people. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have done or where you have been, it doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor, it doesn't matter if your financial portfolio is up and business is good or if everything's down and you've lost your job. It doesn't matter if you're white, it doesn't matter if you're black, it doesn't matter if you're Latino or Asian, it doesn't matter if you are a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian, it doesn't matter if you wear skinny jeans or cargo shorts or you bought the new iPhone or you got an Android, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what you're going through, because this is not good news for some people. That's the way some people want it to seem. 
that this is only good news for some people, but this ain't good news for some people. This ain't good news for most people or even almost most people. Who says good news for? For all people, no matter who you are, there is a savior who will love you. There is a savior who will welcome you. There is a savior who will bring you close to him. There is a savior that will transform you and change your life forever. And he's there for you right now. There is a reason for you to celebrate because when you meet Jesus, everything in your life begins to change. That the old is gone and the new has come. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. The old is gone. That old man with his temptations and with his desires and with the problems and with the addictions and with the bondage that you walked in, the anger and the resentment and the unforgiveness, all of those things, Jesus comes and he takes them away and he gives you a new life with him forever. The old is gone. The new has come. Your sins can be as cast as far as the east is to the West, that you are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are made new, you are given new life in him. That's the good news. And here's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born so that way you can be born again. That's the reason we celebrate. Jesus was born so that way you might be born again, that you can receive a new life with new purpose, with new passion, with new identity, with new direction, with a new community, with a new group of people who are going to cheer you on, who are going to bless you, celebrate you, walk through life's difficulties together with you. You are not alone because Jesus was born so that in him you might be born again. There is a reason to celebrate. Amen? That's what Christmas is for. Number two, Christmas is also a time of salvation. For unto you born this day is a, in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Friends, we need a Savior. We cannot do it on our own. This is what separates the Christian message from every other religion in the world. Every religion will tell you, work harder, try harder, do better, and you can make your way to God. That's not what we read in the Bible. That we don't make our way to God, but Christmas is this. God has made his way to us because we need a savior. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. The chasm of sin is too far. The death is too deep. You will not be able to cross it on your own. We need a savior we need someone who's going to come and make a way possible for us. And that's what Jesus does. See, sin is like a stain. And if you've ever spilt something on your clothes, the harder you scrub it, the harder you try, the more you just spread that stain everywhere else. That's what good works are in front of a holy and just God, that you're just spreading the stain of sin. And so what Jesus does is he comes and Revelation tells us that he removes the garments of sin and he gives us garments of righteousness. That means that you are saved, you are forgiven, you are made new and you are made whole because of Jesus. It doesn't matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter how good you are, and how much you think you are perfect because that's called pride, which also is a sin itself. So sit down, we can't save ourselves. We need someone who's going to come and save us. And this is exactly what Jesus has done. That Jesus enters into this world and he is our savior. A savior is born. But what I find so fascinating is this, is that Jesus, he became one of us. He is very God of very God. Yes, 
but he is also a man, which means he was born the same way that you and I were born. And he was born into poverty, into obscurity, in a rural hick town in the middle of nowhere. And he comes and he's born to a pregnant teenage girl who was probably scared and terrified in a place where nobody had heard of and there was no room for him in an inn and he was helpless and defenseless and tender. Can you think of God in that moment being helpless, being tender, being soft and born just like us in every single way because he was not immune to bad news either. He had to grow up. Luke 2.42 tells us that he grew in wisdom and stature with favor in God and others. I mean, just think about this. Jesus had to grow. He had to learn how to read and write. He had to learn how to walk, talk, and crawl. He had to learn how to make his bed, work a job, clean his room. And he had to learn how to develop relationships with others, healthy relationships and friendships. Jesus had to go through all of those things. And then he goes into ministry. And as he enters into ministry, he again experiences life just like us. You know, scholars and commentators, they say that Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, was never mentioned outside of the birth narrative, which has led many to speculate that he lost his father, his earthly father, as a child or even early in his adolescence. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Some of you this year, you're going to have Christmas without a family member in the room because they've passed away this year. Jesus knows what it's like to gather without a family member that you know and love. He knows what it's like to lose someone who is dear to you. Jesus also knows what it's like to have tension in your family because as we studied earlier in Mark, there was a story where Jesus' own mother and brothers and sisters thought he was crazy out of his mind and tried to bring him home. Some of y'all, y'all family think you're crazy. (laughs) And Jesus understands that. Jesus also knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. His friend Judas stabbed him in the front. Some of y'all have been stabbed in the back. Jesus was so close with him, he was able to stab him in the front. With a kiss on the cheek, he betrayed him to the Roman authorities and the Jewish government. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus knows what it's like to be falsely accused. Jesus understands all of this. And do you know why Jesus would go through this? So that way when we go through it, we don't go through it alone. Jesus knows what it's like. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, said. He says this. He says, a a, a savior who never cried would never be able to wipe away my tears. This This is what Christianity offers compared to other religions. Every other religion would say, you have to do this. You need to do this. You got to make your way to me. You need to pray this many times, give this much money, make this journey, make this pilgrimage. You got to do all of these things, jump through these hoops. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And maybe at the end of your life, if you are good enough, then I will let you in. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, you will never make it on your own. And so I've come to make a way possible for you. And he goes through all of that so that way we don't have to go through it alone. This is what Martin Luther, the great reformer, calls the great exchange. 
This year, you're going to gather with your family, and y'all are going to do a gift exchange. How many of y'all do white elephant? Or you do the, I draw a name out of the hat, and then you get your brother, and you're like, I'm going to draw again, put that other head in there. And you, you go through, and you do the white elephant, and you do the family gift exchange, and then like, you spend a lot of time thinking about a really great gift, and then you get a pair of socks from the other person. You're like, hey, this isn't fair, right? You get a little gift exchange. Well, the greatest gift exchange happened at the cross. It was the great exchange. And here's what we see at the great exchange, that Jesus' worst day becomes the best day of our lives. He exchanges his worst day, and then he makes it our best day. That at the cross, Jesus takes all of our sin, and he gives us his sinlessness. He says, it's yours. You are forgiven. When God sees you, he no longer sees his sin. He sees me on you. You are covered by my forgiveness and my grace. I don't hold that against you because I have made you new. He takes all of the unrighteousness and he says, here's my righteousness. I give it for you. He takes all of your guilt and he gives you his grace. He takes all of your condemnation and he gives you a reason to rejoice and to sing. He takes all of the judgment and he gives you his forgiveness. He gives you the greatest gift. God gives you himself. And he says, the only thing I want in his exchange is for you to give me your heart, your broken heart, your sin-stained heart, the worst day of your life. What do we bring to God for Christmas? We bring him our worst. We give him the worst of us. And he exchanges that and he gives us his best. He gives us himself. This is the reason that Christmas is good news because we've received the greatest gift. Not only is it for celebration, oh, but it is so much more than that. It's a time for us to remember our salvation in him. But that's not all. It's the gift that keeps on giving because number three, it's also for reconciliation. Not only is it a time for celebration, a time for salvation, but Christmas is good news because it's time for reconciliation. Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. How many of y'all could go for some peace right about now? Help me, Lord Jesus, give me some peace. Amen. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased. See, sin brings separation. Literally, that's what it means. There is separation. Anytime sin comes into your marriage, you know what it does? It separates a husband and a wife. Anytime sin comes in towards your children, you know what it does? It separates them from you. Anytime sin comes within a work or maybe a relationship, you know what it does? It separates because that's what sin does. It literally separates. Sin brings separation, but Jesus comes to bring reconciliation. Sin ruins relationships, but Jesus comes to repent to renew, to redeem, and to restore, and to take back everything that sin has stolen from you and give you reconciliation. See, reconciliation is when two people are at odds with one another, where there's conflict, where there's unforgiveness and bitterness between the two. But reconciliation is when they come together and they humble themselves, they repent, and they say, you know what? I'm choosing this relationship because I would rather have a friend than win in arguments. And I would rather to keep a relationship than to win a fight. And they come together and they bring reconciliation that we've been through too much. We've gone through too much for allow us to get between you and I. Yes, there was sin, but the good news is Jesus knows how to deal with sin. 
And when he comes to bring reconciliation, he brings peace with one another. The reason why there is no peace is because there is still sin and that sin needs to be dealt with. And Jesus comes to bring reconciliation, to deal with sin so that way we might be united, we might be one both with him and with one another because God wants us to be united with him. That's the reason Jesus came, to make us one with God, so we can be reunited, we can be reconciled, saints and sinners reconciled with the holy God. We can be reconciled. We can have the Garden of Eden again when we come into a right relationship with Jesus. And we can also experience peace on earth with you and me and everyone gathered together celebrating our Savior, to bring reconciliation into these relationships. Listen, when you love God the most, you're able to love others the best. When you have reconciliation with God, then the natural overflow of that reconciliation is a restored relationship with one another because God deals with sin, and now you're free to go and be able to love and help others the way that God has loved, helped, and served you. He brings peace through reconciliation. But I want to show you something. Most people think this reconciliation only takes place when you get to heaven. When we get to heaven, everything's going to be better. When we get to heaven, we're finally going to have peace. When we get to heaven, we're, we're finally going to be able to truly be in relationship with Jesus because everything in this world is broken and fallen. You know, pastor, I mean, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. I just can't wait. Maranatha, Jesus, Lord, please come quickly. Help me, Jesus, right? That's what most people think. That's the attitude most people have. When we get to heaven, we'll finally be in relationship with God. When we get to heaven, we'll finally be able to have peace. But that's not what the Bible says. He says peace when? On earth. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the here and now. That not when you die do you meet Jesus. The moment you accept him is the moment you get him. And that no matter what you go through, peace is available for you. No matter what you're walking through, peace is available for you. In the middle of the bad news, guess what? There is still peace. In the middle of a pandemic, we are still people of peace. In the middle of problems, we're still people of peace. In the middle of difficulties and trials and situations and temptations and circumstances, guess what? We still have peace because it's peace on earth. Jesus doesn't save us and leave us, but he is right there with us even in the middle of it. This is why every Christmas card you send out, it says what? Emmanuel, God with us us because if you have God with you, you have his peace. You have peace right here, right now. It's available to you. And the promise of Jesus and the good news of Christmas is that there is peace, that God is not distant. God is close, that God is not far. God is near. And as you draw near to him, he draws near to you and he comes. So that way, even in the midst of our pain, we can still have peace and relationship with God and with others. And so this Christmas, as you gather with your family, if there is any sin between that family, let the Lord Jesus deal with that sin today so you can experience the reconciliation of Christmas. If there's anything between you and another person, let Jesus deal with that so that way you're free from carrying the unforgiveness because that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas isn't about unforgiveness. Christmas isn't about bitterness or resentment. Christmas is remembering that though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And if he can deal with my sin, we can deal with this. So we can finally have peace at home, peace in our marriage, peace in our relationships, peace at work, peace in our friendships. We can finally be a people of peace, not when we get to heaven, but right here on earth.
with whom he's pleased. And you know what? When you seek peace, God is pleased with you. As you seek peace, the Lord is pleased over you. And you'll experience his presence in real new ways as you pursue peace and enjoy relationship with him and others. And it leads us to the last point. Christmas is about a time of reflection. It's a time for us to reflect. Here's what we see at the end of the Christmas story. It says, but Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. She treasured these things and she pondered them in her heart. Listen, in the craziness of everything that is 2020, in the craziness of the commotion, the chaos, in the craziness of a pandemic, a presidential election, three hurricanes, and that partridge in a pear tree, in the midst of all of that, with the hashtags and with the injustice and the riots and the protest, in the midst of all of the counter-protests, when we wake up in the morning, we're living in a day and age to where everybody is overwhelmed with the negative, with the bad, with what could go wrong, what has go wrong, and we never actually take time to slow down. Have you noticed that this year has been one thing after the other? If it's not one thing, it's always something else. I mean, it's just bad news after bad news after bad news. And then they go back and they bring up the old bad news to make a new bad news again. And you wake up in the morning and you're like, this is trending on Twitter. And then this is going on on the news networks. And then this is what they're upset about. And I got to the point right now where I don't even know what I'm offended about anymore. I'm just like, "Uh, everything makes me angry. And if that's where you're at, I want you to know that that's how the world works. Because the world wants you to focus on the bad news. Did you know that they actually make money the more you consume bad news? Because they get you addicted to the negative. They get you consumed by the chaos. And it feeds into the inner sin inside all of us because now we become consumed by the negative. Research has actually shown that it's more likely for you to remember the bad news than it is for you to remember the good news. And so you become consumed by it. And they make money off of that. If it bleeds, it leads. That's how society works, that they actually profit off of your pain. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Twitter, whoever it is, they profit off of your pain. And many of you this year, your screen time has gone from three hours to nine hours, and all you've been doing is giving into the pain and the suffering. You become addicted to the bad news. They make money off of your misery. They profit off of your pain because they know that if all you do is focus on the good news, then you will, or the bad news rather, you will forget the good news. And many of us this Christmas, we have forgotten the good news. That's why you, your word probably wasn't joy, was it? But that's the word that God wants for you to have. God wants for you to have joy. Not bad news of anxiety, not bad news of suffering, not bad news of loneliness and loss. He wants you to have good news of great joy. How do we get this good news of great joy? We got to do what Mary did. We have to slow down. We have to stop. We have to process who we are, who we're becoming, and who Jesus is. And for many of us, we move on from one thing to the next, and we never give God time to work in our hearts because we're so busy we don't actually get to enjoy them. And so this Christmas, what I want you to do, guys, is I want you to slow down. I want you to process. I want you to reflect on the good news because if all you do is focus on the bad news, then all you're gonna see is the bad. But I want you to remember the good news. The good